0: All the episodes you will hear on this podcast are the audio versions of the video content on the Great Light Studios YouTube channel. If you would like to watch the video version of this episode, you can find a link in the show notes. Lastly, would you consider leaving a five-star review on this podcast if you haven't already? That's a huge help to me, and positive reviews go a long way in just helping to get this podcast pushed out to more people. So with all that said, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode.
1: And I, could, I've, I actually have the recording of me reading it. I could hear myself, my voice changes because <laughs> it says they became hard-hearted or darkened mm-hmm. after they suppressed the truth. Yeah. And that was the first moment out of all the weeks of talking back and forth that I thought, oh. And I remember feeling, you know, that feeling of going cold when you get scared. Yeah. I felt the blood rush out of my face and I thought I might be wrong.
0: So today I'm talking with Alana, a 19-year former Calvinist who's going to share her story of why she ultimately concluded after 19 years of holding to these doctrines that she could not biblically hold on to them anymore. And so what I want to say here up front is that if you're, you know, whatever angle you're coming from here, but especially those who might be coming on the... Other side of the fence, as it were. I would just ask that you listen to Alana before you speak your mind. You know, and the Proverbs talks about that it is folly and shame to speak before listening. And so, whatever position we're coming from the humble and thing of integrity to do is to listen to the other side even if it's something that makes you uncomfortable even if it's something that deeply goes against your deepest convictions and beliefs to at least be willing to give a fair hearing she did not ultimately reject calvinism based on a a bias and a desire to you know prove that calvinism was false she entered into this, even searching this out a bit, you know, with reluctance to find anything that would, you know, contradict these views that she had had.
1: This is a story about me, my life that has flipped my world upside down. And that is not exaggerating.
0: (laughs) 19 years is a long time to be immersed in a specific certain way of thinking. You know, that impacts your entire way of life to be immersed in, in a system like this where your friends, your church, your relationships are all kind of centered around this collection of common held views. So I say this because I've seen in the past people just immediately dismiss Alana or others like her with ad hominem sort of uh, attacks. So you just kind of immediately dismiss them as having bad motives or, or they, the, their process of even reaching their conclusions is somehow faulty or flawed. You know, I was looking at the internet the other day and some wistful girl said, how I became a Calvinist and left Calvinism well, the the sophomoric comment like that from somebody who uh, should keep her thoughts to herself because she has no idea what she's talking about. And so I would just say that, that that's not the case here. Alana didn't have some hidden agenda or bias to, you know, any other bias, but a bias ultimately to, as you'll find out, to be able to continue to hold on to um, Calvinism. She ultimately just realized that biblically uh, she could not. What to you, you know, having put a lot of thought into this, having discussed this a lot, what to you, looking at, back at Calvinism now, would you say is one of its weakest points?
1: Well, I, that's a really good question. The first thing that comes to mind, maybe if I thought about it more, I would have a different answer, but mm-hmm. probably the most impactful, weakest point I can think of that I didn't see, because I do think it's very, very subtle, is where your hope lies. Your hope ends up lying in election, not mm-hmm. in the work of Jesus, who he is and who what he said he did. And that has been a huge realization to me, and I can't believe what a blind spot it was for me.
0: So... Your hope was in election, not in Christ. And so, yeah, I think that's that's something that, like you said, it is something that would be somewhat difficult. I think would be so difficult, especially for those who are so you know immersed in this system of, of thinking to recognize that. But but that is, you know, from my vantage point, the way you just articulated that is something that I, I've thought of for for years now. Is just that. It it seems as if Jesus, the, the salvation that is the person of Christ himself and what we get through it, like an intimate connection to him. It's like that that relational dynamic is actually a secondary thing. That's not the main thing. The main thing is whether or not we got this other mysterious blessing, you know, mm-hmm. to even allow us to have this intimate connection. And so it's like Jesus is no longer you know all in all as it were for the believer he's just somewhat of a a a secondary uh, step he's one part of many in god's you know redemptive uh work of salvation in our lives and i just i think that's so easy to miss but i just think that that is just one place where i see one of you know the biggest issue that has always been for me with calvinism is has nothing to do with free will and my just wanting to hold on to it, but it's, mm-hmm. I think it's just the Christology of the system is dramatically off, if, mm-hmm. if that makes sense.
1: Yes. And I, I think because I never, you know, everyone struggles with different things in Calvinism. As a Calvinist, I, one of the things that I did not personally struggle with, but I've heard from a lot of people is that doubt. I, I hope I'm elect, I wonder if I'm elect. I did not battle that. So there was Mm -hmm. definitely a disconnect that I believed in election. I believed I was elect. I believed the proof of my election was the fact that I was even wanting to honor the Lord and live for Jesus. So that was my evidence of my election. Um, And so I never, because I didn't struggle with, I wonder if I'm elect. I hope I'm actually elect. I had confidence in the actual gospel what Jesus did who he said he was and what he did that it was a major blind spot for me but for the people that do battle I hope I'm elect I wonder if I'm elect what if I'm what if I'm not elect I think that is what they're battling is that exact realization that I have now that I didn't even see before they're battling that internally and I see it so clearly now um It's just interesting. I think it has a lot to do, obviously, with individuals, how we process things and how we internalize things, how we think through things, but also how things are presented to us and the wording used to present things to us. And if you're satisfied with that presentation, you stop there unless you're a certain kind of person that keeps going or unless the answer was not satisfactory and then you keep on going. Uh, And there's so many things that influence that satisfaction as well, I think, in hindsight, I think for me, I was satisfied with the season of life I was in. I've shared this before. I was a new wife. I I was one month, well, I was a Calvinist before that. But once I, I found our first ever Calvinist church, I was married one month. I was among a bunch of other newlyweds. We were all starting our lives together. We were all doing Bible studies and doing all these fun things together. Then our children started to come and everybody's having babies and it's the most wonderful community. And so any questions I had, they were answered and I was satisfied with the answer. Instead of pushing or questioning further, I just left it there because the season of life I was in was more important than going any further with the questioning, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I think that just people can answer that or can relate to that in so many different ways, but that was yeah. my situation, you know?
0: So, so take us back then. And, and can you kind of tell us the story, I guess, how, how did you come to be somebody who referred to, to themselves as a Calvinist? Kind of what, what happened mm-hmm. there to get you uh, to that place?
1: Well, I grew up in a, I, I can't say a Catholic home, but we, if we went to church, we went to Catholic Church. We're, we're I'm Cuban of Cuban descent. My husband's Puerto Rican, we have all Catholic background, but my grandmother became a believer and stopped going to Catholic Church and read her Bible. and that was the, the example I saw my whole childhood and I, I wanted that. She was mm-hmm. she was my role model. She was a homemaker, she was a wife, a mother loved the Lord. I just highly admired her. She was a huge influence in my life. And so I do think that's who the Lord used as the example of wanting, just interested in the things of God. And so later in life, I mean, I went to retreats here and there, church here and there, and I always had a heart for the Lord and interest in the things of God, but I did not even know what the gospel was till I was 17 or so. That's when I became a Christian. And I went to a And Okay, looking back, the Lord used it, but it definitely wasn't a church I would recommend today, but the Lord used it in my life at that time of my life, and I was in love with the Lord, growing in my faith, reading the Bible, doing youth events and things like that, and then I started listening to several pastors on the radio, John MacArthur being one of them, and it became my daily lunch break. I listened to... Uh, Two or three pastors around noon and John MacArthur was the second or third and I would listen to him every day. He became my favorite and I listened every day slowly. Now looking back, I realized I was slowly being taught Calvinism without the words. I didn't hear Mm -hmm. the word Calvinism till years later when I went to a, a Christian university. There the debate was Calvinism and Arminianism. And at this point I was married. My husband had already gone to MacArthur Seminary. He was already a Calvinist. I was already a Calvinist. So when we hear these words, we realize, I mean, at that point we realized already, but shortly before we got married, I learned the word Calvinist. And I identified with that. I said, oh yeah, that's what I am. And that was that simple. I never went through cage stage. In Calvinist, when I when I realized I was a Calvinist, I never debated anybody. There was dialogue here and there, but it was so dominant that there wasn't anybody really to debate with. Like all the people <laughs> that I was, they all with. agreed. Yeah. So it wasn't this big thing. Honestly, it was definitely the cool thing to be, though. It was the cool thing to be a Calvinist, and so um, I think it had a lot to do with the boldness that it took to believe those hard
0: things Mm the hard (laughs) truths so that that's one thing as i listened to your your story which by the way if you want to hear uh alana talk more share her story she has her own youtube channel Uh, a lot of you might already be aware of that but she's shared multiple videos on calvinism and so so i've i've listened through your story and one that was one of the things that really stood out when you mentioned that aspect of it that these this system uh, at least in your, your experience and what you you feel like maybe I'll let you comment on this, but maybe you th- feel like you saw it in other people that it, it sort of promoted this this putting on of like a, a hard outer shell of, you know, if you don't agree with these doctrines, if you have any sort of, you know, uh, uh, you know, apprehension toward it or questions about it, it's, it's sort of just you just can't handle the, mm-hmm. the cold hard truths of the Bible. It was the cool thing to be a Calvinist, just so
1: you know. It was the cool thing because it takes boldness it takes a little thick skin. It takes like the capacity to be like, whatever, deal with it. You know, you, you don't like the way that sounds? Oh, well for you, I can handle the tough truth, you can't. So it took that pride and arrogance that um, I liked. I liked it in Paul Washer. I liked it in John MacArthur. I liked it in R.C. Sproul. I liked it in Brody Bauckham. Like these guys, they're great. They're brothers and I view them as brothers but they have that in your face, bold deal with it kind of truth. And I like that, that appeals to my flesh. I am a very passionate person. So I do think that there is a sinful aspect to that for me personally, that I it appealed to my flesh to be like, that's right, deal with that hard truth, you know? I mean, it, it is that, It's uh, you just can't handle it you, you can't handle these hard truths. That's God, you know, you got to deal with God if you can't handle it. And it really was in a, in a, I've referred to it as a, like lust of the pride, lust of the intellect, Mm -hmm. uh, because you feel like you are in some way superior because you can handle it you can't Mm. you're tougher you're stronger because you can handle it and those people that can't they're just weak you know Mm -hmm. uh which is so ugly (laughs) now I see that yeah and I think becoming a mother was a huge part of softening a lot of who I am um just seeing the love of a parent the the desire, the longing, the hope that you have for your children, that you want good things for them. And you know that life will be hard and it will teach them and shape them and mold them, but you're there for them along the way. And just the the genuine delight and good things you want for your children. I realized this is how God feels about us times a million. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, He gave us that as a gift to parallel him with us, I believe. And we can draw so many comparisons to how we feel towards our children and how God feels with us and how God deals with us and guides us and leads us. And he gives us parameters to live by and because he wants what's best for us. And that's the same thing with our children. There's so many things. And so that's softened me a lot. Um, and like we were talking about earlier, the the election thing, just sharing the gospel with your children and sharing the, the who Jesus is and that Jesus loves them and he wants them to love him and he wants a relationship and he did these things to save them. There's hope in Christ and life in Christ and all these things. And then when do you break it to them? But only if yeah. you're elect, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just can't see when when does that come into the picture and yeah. isn't that if we're being honest with ourselves isn't that a peculiar thing to withhold from your children as a parent that isn't as a, as a calvinist parent shouldn't there be some mm-hmm. questioning internally about that
0: yeah so how many kids do you have by the way i have two boys two boys okay mm-hmm. so 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 i have i have four kids and so two two is already beginning to push push into sort of dangerous (laughs) territory. But when you have four, like I do, I mean, the odds, I mean, and this, this is not, I I think this is one of those things that a Calvinist and I understand why might Mm -hmm. come off as just being intentionally like provocative or, or, you know, whatever, this is just a genuine, you know, I'm, I'm looking at what I think we both are looking at what the system says. And the ultimate implications of that would be that myself and Alana as parents You know, when you start to have two, three, four kids, you know, you are really the the odds of every single one of them being elect are are slim to none. I I would I would say I think that's just biblical uh, Mm -hmm. uh, and rational. And so what I think you have to have a bit of a to be a Calvinist parent, you have to have a bit of. I mean honestly I think some cognitive dissonance where you're not you're not able to f- to fully internalize the ultimate implications of what that means because it's just it's mm-hmm. an absolutely untenable way to live. You cannot mm-hmm. you can't live that way looking at your child in the face every day knowing hey god might actually hate him. Mm-hmm. Not for any reasons any good or bad he ever did but he just chose to create him as somebody that he hated. And um Yeah, I I just think that that's something that might sound like an emotional appeal, but I think it's just, you know, we're appealing to the consideration of whether or not this system ultimately allows somebody to live life in a functional way. And and it would seem with things like this, I don't know. I don't know how, how it could unless you're just not really thinking about the ultimate implications of your system and even in some sense living as if those things you actually believe are not true.
1: Which was my case for sure. I mean, I live, I I knew what I believed, but it did not show in my daily life. I think the sovereignty of God and the Lord is in control. Those, those statements that I would say regularly, they were, Part of my vocabulary and they probably came up most when there were trials, struggles, but not necessarily day-to-day and I didn't take it to its end. What does this mean about my daily life as a housewife and a, a homeschool mother keeping my children in my home so that I can shape their minds and their character? so that I can raise them in the things of the Lord. What am I doing all day, every day, you know? I didn't think about that on the day to day. I lived with such purpose and devotion in training my children and I still do because now, well now it's different, but I always lived that way. Nothing's Mm -hmm. changed in the way I talk to my kids, teach my kids, train my kids in my mentality. So there was clearly a cognitive disconnect because Mm -hmm. I believed with all my heart that what I was doing was shaping my children not because they were chosen or not, but because I was instilling in them the wisdom of the word for them to live by, if they choose to, (laughs) and this is how I would speak, and that's how the scriptures speak, but it just (laughs) did not. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize the contradiction of my life, my daily life.
0: Right, yes, and I, I think at this point, um, Calvinism would probably respond with something about you know, that God God has ends and He has means. And mm-hmm. so that that aspect of you having that sort of internal care and and, and thinking about it as if you re- really were making an impact that that's just the means that God uses to accomplish His ends. And so just acknowledging that I, I know Calvinists would have would want to say things in response to these things, but mm-hmm. I just I, I do think still, it's, it's worth considering um, mm-hmm. if, you know, when you really if you really were to internalize these things in a logical, rational way. Um, I just think very, very often many Calvinists, like you're explaining, don't don't really live in line with what they claim they, they believe, uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, you just can't really live. functionally i don't i don't think if if you are ultimately concluding the fatalistic deterministic things about about god and and the universe um so what one thing that you you mentioned that i i i wanted to hear a little bit more about because of stuff that i i do i'm involved with a specific um different cult organizations. And so I just disclaimer, I'm not saying Calvinism is a cult, but you just, Mm -hmm. you mentioned a pastor who kind of came in and was in a sense, covertly trying to uh, maybe switch the church over to reform theology without necessarily being upfront with what was going on. Can you talk about that a little bit? That was before I was married um, when
1: I first moved to this city, I went to the college group, not Sunday morning. Sunday morning was an old man pastor uh, that had been the pastor there for many, many years. And then the college group pastor was on staff at the Christian University as well as the college group pastor. So that's how we had the connection. So I would go to the college group every Wednesday night and he was reformed. And the whole college group was reformed. And we all knew he was next in line to be the pastor of this church. And we all knew his plan was to reform the church. And he would say, just give me five years. He would say that. And I, at the time, as a Calvinist, had no reason (laughs) to think, man, that's wrong. I just was Part of the not, I wasn't part of the plan, but I was on board with the plan because I thought this is truth. So mm-hmm. you bring it in, but now even, even let's just say it is truth. It's still wrong to go about it that way. <laughs> you don't do that. You don't sneakily come in and without being open and honest and upfront start spreading your teaching knowing that your intentions is to spread this slowly over five years to a non-suspecting congregation. You don't do that.
0: (laughs) You don't do that.
1: So at the time I was 22, I wasn't thinking, I was just like, yeah, Calvinism. I didn't, dawn on me.
0: And it, it agreed with what you were already believing. So it was like, well, Mm -hmm. yeah, this is, this is what should happen. But second Mm -hmm. Corinthians four, two Paul says, we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways we refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with god's words but by the open statement of the truth we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of god and so it's just like this mm-hmm. the way we operate the apostles it seems like he's saying we were we didn't operate with you know crafty underhanded ways but we were just openly saying hey this is this is what we have to offer this is what mm-hmm. we're saying here it is it out on the table you either accept this or not sort, mm-hmm. sort of deal. It wasn't the, the crafty element of trying to plant little thoughts here and there mm-hmm. and hoping that they would ultimately come to see things your way. Um, and, you know, the, the, the thing about this is that this is something that I, I just made a specific video about a specific, more dangerous cult group that this is, this is how they thrive, this is how they function. And there is mm-hmm. actually a pretty significant problem right now in the USA with the, this group infiltrating different Christian churches, mm-hmm. not, not saying upfront who they are or what they're doing, that they're connected with this organization, but coming in, trying to get congregants to join their Bible studies. And then again, not being op- open about what they're mm-hmm. doing. And then slowly over time, they get them to join their group. And so I do. I don't think this is how all Calvinists function, but mm-hmm. I, I think there there can be some similarities there in behaviors that that to me are a bit unsettling.
1: Mm-hmm. When I was a Calvinist, I had something to hide. Like if I shared the gospel with you, I was going to hide election. I was going mm-hmm. to hide what I truly believed. Now I have nothing to hide. <laughs> there is yeah. nothing to hide. I'm um, an open book. I believe with all my heart, every word that comes out of my mind, I'm not trying to word it in a certain way so that I don't say the wrong thing that isn't consistent with my doctrines. I I will quote scripture for you. I will present the good news to you. And I believe it is available to you if you desire. And it's it's so, again, another blind spot. Another blind spot.
0: Yeah, because absolutely. Because
1: I, I would not... Ever tell someone I believed in election before that was only after you were a Christian? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so if, yeah, if if Calvinists like really, you know, like you said, the answer, the God provides the ends and the means, that is another clever answer, and it's satisfactory for some, you know, mm-hmm. instead of paying attention to the contradiction, to the to the obvious argument at hand Mm -hmm. and then entertaining that for a minute, they get that little one-liner. Oh, okay, good. We got, we got an answer. Yeah. It's like, no, don't be satisfied there. Keep thinking about and entertaining about what this challenge has that's been brought up. Because Mm -hmm. if you just take those little satisfactory answers forever, it's, we're not, we're not, um, we're like, Kevin Thompson says, we're surrendering our (laughs) sense-making. It's Mm -hmm. The one-liners should not satisfy. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to your conscience. Listen to the scriptures and seek the truth.
0: Yeah, God God gave us intellect and rationality for a reason. It's so Mm -hmm. that we can recognize and have red flags go off when there's something being presented to us some sort of information that is contradictory in nature because it's it's like a protective mechanism in our brains that says no there's something there that is anti-truth and so it causes you to say wait what's what's going on there and it is so easy when you're again you're so ingrained in something like this you you know the the what. Information bias, uh, and and you you want to only take in things and hear things that are going to continue to affirm what you already believe. And when something comes that could possibly challenge that, it's scary. It is. It's scary. It's unsettling. It's troubling. And it it makes you want to to fight it and run and, and get it as far away as you can. And so, like you're saying, it's easy to take those little one-liners. Mm -hmm. They really don't solve the problem, but it's sort of like this bandaid that you can kind of put over the top and then forget Mm -hmm. that there's a deep, you know, gash underneath of it and just kind of go on for a while until something else comes. And it's like, Oh wait, that's still there. And it's not healed. It's still there. And and I still don't know what to do with it. Let's put another bandaid on it. And it's kind of that, Mm -hmm. that process until you're willing, you become willing, like for whatever reason, it seems like you did, which we'll hopefully get to here in a minute Mm -hmm. to stop and say, wait a minute, like it take it takes it takes some bravery and i think some you know honesty with with yourself to stop mm-hmm. and say what what if i'm wrong mm-hmm. the hard, that is such a hard question to ask in an honest way um especially yes. when when it's dealing with long held theological uh uh you know doctrines and beliefs so so mm-hmm. bef- before we get that because i'm excited to get to that part of what kind of got you there but could you kind of paint a paint a picture of like what what were those beliefs as a calvinist what what did that mean like if to somebody who may not know you know who's never heard the word calvinist before kind of paint a picture for them uh, of what did that mean that at that time you were a calvinist Mm
1: -hmm. well i believed in the sovereignty of god which to me meant I, was a compa- I would have referred to myself as a compatibilist, which I would say God has decreed all things, caused all things. And at the same time, in a mysterious way, we're still responsible and blameworthy for our sin. Um, that and we, I'll leave that there. It's just interesting. <laughs> I, I fell for the one-liner, the, the, you know, the, <laughs> mm-hmm. the fancy wording of it all but I believed that I did, at least I said I did, but my life didn't match it. Um, And then for TULIP, the acronym for T, I believed total depravity, that man was born a God hater, was born guilty, um, was born hardened to the things of God, could never want to seek God, could never want God, could never uh, choose God the only way we could ever choose god is if he first chose us and so i believed in election that he chose us for salvation before the foundation of the world he chose who he was going to save and who he didn't choose and i did believe in double no in single predestination the one where he just passes over i believed Mm -hmm. that um i believed in limited atonement that jesus only died for those who would believe. so yes, he died for whosoever would believe, but only the elect would believe. so yeah, you scripture is consistent, I would say mm-hmm. so I believed he only died for the elect and I believed in irresistible grace, which that was probably the the weakest point for me that it wasn't it wasn't a very powerful point for me. I I don't know why Mm -hmm. the others were all more powerful, uh, where if you're elect and you hear the gospel, you will not be able to resist it. And perseverance of the saints, if you're truly a Christian, if you're truly elect, you will persevere to the end. And if you don't persevere to the end, then you actually never really were a Christian. You were never one of us. And that's, That's pretty much it. And I did believe that faith was a work. I I believed faith was a gift. that A human being was incapable of having faith apart from the Holy Spirit or God giving them faith to believe. I believed faith came before being born again, regeneration, Mm -hmm. the quickening of the spirit became before belief because you had to become alive in order to even believe. I think that those are the main things. Faith is a work, the order of salvation. I, I believed I accepted all of those things.
0: So then what, what was it that started to then first challenge those beliefs?
1: Well, I had, I had never been challenged by anybody. I had only had two instances that I can remember that I felt I needed to bring up some questions. Uh, I don't remember what brought brought on this conversation, but I remember speaking to my husband Late at night, once just asking him, I don't understand how God determined all my sin. Like, why would he determine for me to go against his will? And my husband's answer was something uh, probably, and it satisfied because the conversation ended that he uses it all for the good and uh, probably something like that. And it satisfied. Mm-hmm. I didn't, Mm -hmm. I didn't push any further. And then when my children were old enough to where we had left the children's Bibles and we were reading the actual Bible. I was reading through the gospel and I think it was Matthew. And as I read the wedding feast parable, I thought to myself in my head, this sounds like everyone's welcome. Like Jesus is inviting everyone and salvations available to all. And I thought, how am I going to tell my kids about election? And I left it there. I didn't think about it anymore. I didn't even bring it up to my husband. I just kept moving on. So those are the two times by myself that I felt a challenge, a contradiction. My mother has a a bunch of stories of conversations she brought to us. And it's funny, I don't remember. And I cannot believe that we did not listen and consider the things she was bringing to us. She brought incredible arguments that now I find so strong that we just did not entertain. Mm -hmm. Um, So she challenged us, but I just don't remember. It must've not really impacted me very much. And it was when we were very, very young, just starting at this church, the community had captivated us. And so I definitely think we were blind to challenges because this community was everything. And then my friend, Lonnie, who I recently had on my channel, she shared her testimony and story. And um, this was just three and a half years ago. I posted the Seashells Sermon by John Piper on my Facebook.
0: Bob and Penny took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their... 30 foot trawler, play softball, and collect shells.
1: That's a tragedy. And I invited Dialogue, and she took the opportunity to dialogue with me. And she brought to my attention the fact that he was praising this couple and also ridiculing, criticizing this couple, this other couple even though he believes that they couldn't have done otherwise.
0: A nice retirement, collecting shells. As the last chapter, before you stand before the creator of the universe to give an account with what you did, here it is, Lord, my shell collection. Look, Lord, my shell collection.
1: They were set in stone to do what they did so how can he criticize this couple and praise this couple and you know i i dialogued with her uh it wasn't a big deal i even in my first voice clip that i have responded to her in her initial uh reply to me i said i'm calvinist to the bone i told her that <laughs> and I'm like this is so funny to listen back to But we dialogued for weeks and I I wanted to show this because everyone always asks what approach I took to to revisiting everything. The first thing I did was go to this systematic theology book. I got this at Together for the Gospel, like five years ago with my husband, John MacArthur Uh and Richard Mayhew wrote this one. So I went to this and I immediately started reading all of the reprobation Infra-
0: like whatever. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, just to make clear, then what, what you're suggesting then is that even even in your approach as be, you began to be willing to somewhat look into this, you, it seems like would you would you say that you were even approaching it with a bit, a bit of a bent or a, a pretty large bent toward wanting to wanting to affirm it, you weren't, in other words, you weren't going in like, I don't like these doctrines. I wanna find a way to get out of Mm -hmm. them. You were going in hoping that you could be reassured that yes, this is true. Uh, I, I just think that's important for people to realize that you didn't go into this with a motive of, I don't want to believe this anymore. I'm right. sure this was very uncomfortable as as these sort of, you know, deconstruction from mm-hmm. the things are. that's a triggering word for some, I'm sure. But <laughs> there it is. It's out there. Right. Um, and, and so so would you say that that's accurate that you went in with somewhat of a bias? You know, you're going to the John MacArthur's to mm-hmm. answer your questions. Um,
1: yes. Yeah. At first, at first, I had no doubt that I was wrong. No doubt at all. I went to these. To, I went to systematic theology and to the biblical doctrine one and I had zero doubt that I could be wrong and I started sending her pictures and pictures and pictures of the stuff I was reading with highlights and underlines and scripture and I started sending her videos of John MacArthur, Bach, and Paul Washer, John Piper of the things that I believed and I wanted her to hear so that I could persuade her to see it my way and she continued with me even though i was not challenged i didn't have any doubt at all i thought she just didn't get it i continued and it wasn't until the this the first inkling of doubt for me personally was when i was reading about all the scripture for reprobation the argument that god has uh chosen to save some and the rest he has not chosen either cuz he chose them for damnation or he just didn't choose them so they were going there anyway those two views i was reading the scriptures that they used to support that the views and i remember thinking that that's weak that's like weak scripture to argue for this i just don't see it whatever it wasn't enough to cause doubt or convince me of anything i just said that is a weak argument. And I was able to acknowledge that. And then when she asked me to point out to her why I kept saying that we're born haters of God. And I went to Romans one and I was reading it to her. And I could, I've, I actually have the recording of me reading it. I could hear myself, my voice changes because <laughs> it says they became hard-hearted or darkened. Mm-hmm after they suppressed the truth. yeah, And that was the first moment out of all the weeks of talking back and forth that I thought, oh. And I remember feeling, you know, that feeling of going cold when you get scared? Yeah. I felt yeah. the blood rush out of my face and I thought I might be wrong. And then that's it. There's no way for me to just be like, okay, I might be wrong. It was like deep dive everything I believed. And I went here first. I did not go. I went to see what they said, where total depravity is in the Bible, where everything down the line, you know, and it did not satisfy. It didn't satisfy. When I read the scriptures in context, I was like, that doesn't say that we're born this way. That doesn't say that God chose to save some before the foundation of the world. That doesn't say Jesus only died for some. I just went down the line and I was not convinced. And it was a life altering <laughs> time.
0: Oh, wow. I, I imagine so. And so that that idea I think is so significant that, that there's nothing in the Bible that indicates people are born blind, hardened, calloused, and, and suppressors of truth. That's something that develops over time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as Leighton Flowers will point out uh, that to the idea that either God or Satan will, you know, cause there are verses that talk about them blinding mm-hmm. unbelievers or, or, or hardening the hearts. It, it, you know, Calvinists will emphasize, you know, passionately this idea that we are dead. Dead Mm -hmm. and sin, dead means dead, totally unable. So you have God and Satan blindfolding or sticking earplugs or, or, or hardening the hearts of dead, lifeless corpses, which Mm is illogical. Yeah. and, And redundant to the maximum level. I would say you cannot get any more redundant than trying to blind a dead person. And so I just think those, those are the sort of things that sounds like that, that, um, um, a lot of people just, you don't, for whatever reason, it just doesn't register. But for mm-hmm. you in this time, um, it began to. And so you talked about in, in your video doing kind of a, a deep dive for like four days or something s- studying this. And and mm-hmm. one thing that people, I've heard somebody in, in seen somebody in comments and uh, uh, I, uh he who will not be named in this video referring referring to you as a whimsical girl or others saying uh. you're just being you're being led by emotion. Um, and I just want to say that listening, if you will actually just stop and listen to Alana's story, listen to what she says, um, that is just not the case at all. You were this whole time were, were, were not, again, not wanting to discover Calvinism to be false, mm-hmm. but wanting to prove it, and you were looking to the scriptures. So talk, talk about that, that four-day deep dive, just so people know that mm-hmm. this is not something that conclusions you reached because of emotion.
1: Yes, I had no reason to question Calvinism at all. I was comfortable with it, accepted it, believed it was right, it was true. No reason. And even when my friend challenged me, I was immovable until I had reason to doubt. Through the word, and I did do a four-day deep dive, but and it's funny people criticize that because they they're saying that I claimed I came out of Calvinism in four days. No, I that was the beginning of the journey. I it was Thanksgiving weekend. My mom and husband were home, so I left them with the children and hid in my room. I don't have time. (laughs) I have children that Mm -hmm. I take care of full time, so. That, that Thanksgiving weekend, I took advantage of other adults in the house and I was in mostly in this and the scriptures, uh, a little bit of systematic theology, but there was so much overlap. I just I just focused on the John MacArthur one and pretty much I just read every single passage um, for every single letter in the acronym and every mm-hmm. single passage about uh, the order of salvation faith being a work and um sovereignty of god and i was not satisfied so that was just the beginning of what does this mean i don't fall in line with this but now what what about all this other scripture that i do read calvinistically and that was a whole other journey and 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 the journey is still going I still run into scripture that I think, Mm -hmm. how did I miss this? This is so clear that people can resist the Holy Spirit or that God has emotion because he says he does. And God changes his mind because he says he does. And these things Mm -hmm. that I just didn't take up their word before. And Mm -hmm. people get offended when I say, I guess it's my wording. It's not them. I need to word it. When I say you're not believing the scripture, I'm not saying you are not going to the word to believe the word, I'm saying you're not taking it at its plain reading, at its face value. You're reading into Mm -hmm. it, is what I mean to say. Um, 10 times out of 10, I am not trying to be offensive or snarky when I talk to (laughs) Calvinists or about Calvinists. I don't, what's the point? What is the point in that, that just brings strife i truly i enjoy genuine dialogue even if someone disagrees with me Mm -hmm. and um my i have genuine questions for them but i fear they're always snarky in return so i just wait for face to face
0: (laughs) yeah yes there there is a substantial amount of snark and christian comments on social media and it's Mm -hmm. it's very unfortunate um so I'm assuming, though, that that can you talk a little bit about like, I'm assuming this was difficult, that this was still not an easy process. And and one of the things I, I'm hoping and, and one of the reasons I think it, it I, I'm so glad that you're willing to share your story. And, and I just want to say from whatever it might mean to you as this random guy who you don't really know, just to say, yes. I think that it's a good thing. I want to encourage you with what you've done and what you're doing, because you're, you're not alone. You know, there are mm-hmm. others, many others, countless others out there who, who are either where you're at now or, or are just beginning to get there and to have somebody else on YouTube who they can go and say, Oh, this person has done this. She's walked this out. She she's gotten through it. Her life isn't over. She's made it through. She's still a Christian, and, you know, I think that is just huge for people. Um, and so, so that just to say, I think I'm, I'm glad again, and thank you for being willing to do this, but can you talk about that a little bit? Cause I think so many people will be able to resonate with that aspect of it. Talk about like the, uh, what was life like then? And the kind of just how that was probably emotionally, mentally, not an easy thing to walk through.
1: It wasn't easy because my <coughs> Whole bubble was is was Calvinist. My whole bubble. Um, I had to come to terms with things that really made me feel um, discouraged in myself. I I had not been a student of the Word for myself, and just been taught and didn't test test the things I was being taught with scripture. I let um, my admiration of people and my just comfort, comfort in life and community guide my beliefs instead of checking the word for myself, me and the Lord. And so that was convicting. <laughs> I could cry thinking about it cause it is so, it's hard to realize, oh, I've handed over what I know about you, Lord, to somebody else to tell me instead of me seek you out, me be with you, read, pray, spend time with you and let you teach me. Of course, I had a relationship with the Lord. I did, I I love the Lord. But, and that's what I think has kept me with him is I loved him. Fundamentally, he was my rock. And so even this earth-shaking realization that I've been wrong for 19 years did not hinder my faith because the foundation was my love for my savior. But it was hard to relearn, to undo things, to to feeling like I was starting from scratch. But thankfully, we have the Bible and we can read it. And that's what I did. I just said, I'm reading the whole Bible. And so I read every day. I was up at the crack of dawn reading for two two hours sometimes and it was the richest most wonderful time of my christian life i would say and it's behind me now i'm in a new place so i kind of miss those days where i would just cry all morning in the living room reading and devouring the word and getting to know the lord again um And I think that was hard personally. And then relationally, it was hard because I was in a cavernous bubble. So I wanted to talk to my friends, but I, I feel like it was, it did. And I know it never went well. And I don't, I I guess fear people were scared to talk about things that were different than what we were being taught at church. Yeah. So conversations were shut down. Mm -hmm. Um, I spoke to many friends, but one time each. So it wasn't like I had these long dialogues going with various people. It was like one time here, one time here, one time here. And that showed me, this is not a conversation that is wanted.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So I had to just walk through it alone. Really?
0: So it, it's okay to ask questions to anybody listening to this. If you're mm-hmm. a Christian, it, it's okay. And, and when you're, if you're in a setting in which questions and expressing doubts or concerns about things is kind of frowned upon, if you're, if you're somewhat gaslit, made to feel like, well, you, you even having those problems is a problem mm-hmm. or it means you have weak faith, or, or or you're just being in trouble uh, that's that's a problem mm-hmm. um, and, and I hate to continue to call the, to the comparisons but mm-hmm. but I, I can't on this channel I've been dealing with a specific South Korean cult groups who function and behave in these ways with information suppression and, and gaslighting members when they express doubts or concerns about the things they're being taught and I'm not I'm not saying, Calvinists do this. I'm just saying this can happen, whether it's, I'm not just saying this is just a Calvinist thing. This is any church. And so any place, any setting, I would say in which you're in a, a church setting where, where you just asking genuine questions and expressing genuine doubts is in any way you are made to feel like there's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with you having those things, or you're less spiritual than others because you're feeling those things. I would say that's not, there's something unhealthy about that setting. And and, um, I think you should feel okay. It is Mm -hmm. okay to ask questions and Mm -hmm. to express doubts because I think God would want us to use the brains he gave us to think about these things rationally. Mm -hmm. And then of course, biblically. Um, And so um, could, could you, do you have anything you would want to say to people because you've walked through this kind of, with 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 that in mind, knowing that there probably are people out there who do feel that same thing, that mm-hmm. that lack of freedom to really express the questions and doubts that a lot of them are probably carrying with them.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, thankfully for me, the leadership did was open to talking, um, but they did frown. Yeah, that that that's a blessing. Um, but they did frown upon the fact that I didn't go to them right away. I went on my own journey <laughs> and uh, kind of had my mind made up before I met with them. So they, mm-hmm. they wished that I would have gone to them in the beginning. Um, I don't have any regret that I didn't because I feel like the Lord guided and taught me. And I, I wasn't, there was no attempt to sway me. I was on a journey with God. And so, I don't regret that I didn't go earlier on, but the, the discussion among the body was very frowned upon. It was do not talk about this. Um, and the people didn't want to talk about it either. And I, I think there was such a fear of division, a fear of division. It's like mm-hmm. if you have a different mindset, you're divisive. No, not at all. We can talk. <laughs> We can talk. Yeah. We've been friends for so many years. You know me. I know you. Listen to this. What do you think? This
0: can be like, lighthearted. Yes. it's not. We don't have right. to hate each other if mm-hmm. we just see things differently. Yeah,
1: and and thankfully, it was ne- in my place. It was never hostile, anger, unkindness. It was just closed door. Like this is not happening. And that's mm-hmm. that was hard because I wanted to talk about it. I really, really wanted to talk about it. I processed verbally, uh, talking with friends and loved ones is how I feel like we've spent quality time together. Um, and I, I am not an internalizer. I like to get it out. So it was hard to not be able to talk to my dear friends about the most important thing of my life at that time. So the Lord did provide though. He brought a dear friend from a decade back into my life. And she walked with me through the whole three years. It's been amazing. So the Lord never leaves you alone, which is such a blessing. I've seen Him provide. Um, but what I would say, I, I honestly think every church is going to be different. I I think, I think, being peaceful, kind, and gracious is the first and foremost thing I could encourage. If there's lack of love or argumentativeness or hostility, divisiveness, it's just not, first of all, it's not even honoring to the Lord to discuss things that way. But second, what's your goal? Why are you even talking to people? That's how it's going to be. If you have Mm -hmm. a genuine desire to dialogue with your friends, there's no sin in that. And if you're made to feel like there is, or if you're made to feel like, why do you care about this so much? That is not right. That's gaslighting. Mm-hmm. And it happens so often. It happens. Yeah. I have a list. Uh, not that I'm keeping a record of wrongs done to me, but I have a, a list of the things I've been called and I have yeah. yet to call anybody, anything. I'm just like, yeah. guys,
0: <laughs> what yeah. is
1: this? You know?
0: Yeah. So well, it's well it's sad. <laughs> it, it's a, I, I've, I'm finding that too. And I have a lot, I have a lot of Calvinists that are very, respectful and intelligent uh, mm-hmm. uh, for the most part in how they respond. Um, but there's a lot of them that, that aren't, I, I would say the, the majority of the comments come down to, you know, accusations that, you know, I don't understand Calvinism, which, which mm-hmm. I think is a, uh, I think it's a divi- I, diversion. Really. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I see it as I, I can't really answer this question and he's presenting legitimate challenges that I don't necessarily know to answer. So I'm just going to say, he doesn't understand Calvinism. And that kind of, it's, it's kind of like you're saying, it's one of those easy out things. Like I don't have to really deal with this problem. Um, and, And the other one is just kind of aggression and anger. It's just, well, you're, you just want to make God in your own image. You just want to define God's love on your own terms. You're just thinking about this in a human way. It's just this kind of, accusatory ad hominem mm-hmm. rhetoric that is basically name calling. It's like, once again, I'm not, I'm not gonna deal with what you're saying. I'm not gonna deal with your arguments. I'm just going to try to uh, uh, switch directions into saying that the very reason you're saying the things you're saying are evil. And so therefore I don't have to deal with it because you have a bad heart. There's something wrong with you for even thinking these things. It, it's it's those, it, I think it's just worth asking why is it that so many Calvinists, um, you know, respond in this way? Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that's an indicator of of defensiveness. It, mm-hmm. It's obviously there's something triggering them to defensiveness, which tells me there's some sort of insecurity there that's being mm-hmm. poked on. Because when you start Definitely. to poke mm-hmm. on an insecurity, you're going to, you know, you're going to just nip. You're going to bite back, and you're going to start barking to to make that poking stop because it hurts. Mm-hmm. And I would just say, it's okay for that to hurt. Don't, don't ignore the hurt. Look down at that and say, why does that hurt? Why, why does him poking me in that way make me want to call him a name? Like what's, what's going on there? This is worth mm-hmm. looking at and saying, what is this? What is this pain I'm feeling and what is causing it?
1: Yeah. That's how you grow in life is paying attention, examining, and then doing something about it. Taking an honest look. What mm-hmm. What is the point in Ignoring something like that. Stop, look at it, examine it, question it, and grow from it instead of dismiss it. And I think that's my biggest what I, I I know that I am where I am because I was willing to be honest with myself and not defend the doctrine, instead realize that the scriptures debunked it and having to seek truth instead of defend my doctrine. It's okay to give it up. It's all right. I mean, I'm sure there'll be other things we give up in life for the Lord. It, this isn't gonna be the first thing, you know? So it's it's okay. And I think it's growth. It's such valuable mm-hmm. growth to be honest with yourself and face things and seek truth. Um, I have a, a Calvinist friend who said exactly what you just said. If someone gets defensive, they're insecure. They're fearful there's something going on. <laughs> yep. And it, that's just human psychology. It's it's true. Right. So it is fascinating. But then you hear, I have a friend that I challenged and she seemed abl- like totally nonchalant about it. She was like, nope, I disagree with you. Only to find out months later that she actually went back and rechecked on the things I said. I'm like, why were you not honest? In the fr- like, why are you acting all cool? Yeah. You, instead of just be honest with me and be like, yeah. oh, that's something to check on. Let me go check and I'll get yeah. back to you. But they put up a front when mm-hmm. you don't know what's going on in the heart and mind when they're genuinely challenged. So it's it's worth continuing if they're willing to, to discuss things, you know?
0: Yeah. It, that's that's a that's that's a sign of integrity when a person in one of those conversations is able to acknowledge, hey, that's a good point you just made. And, hey, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know how to answer that. Like, that's what that's OK to say, um, mm-hmm. you know, knowledge puffs up, love edifies. And so, it, you know, we I think we all can fall into that mindset of thinking in these conversations like I have to come across as like I've, I've got it all got it all together. I, I got all this figured out. Nobody does like mm-hmm. I'm not making videos and I'm assuming you're not making the videos you've made because we feel like we fully 100% got this all figured out. I am, I am 100% confident. I'll look back at some of the things I said in 10 years from now and say, Oh man, I, I definitely have adjusted on that. I've definitely shifted that a little bit. I definitely't wouldn't say it that way. I mean, I already do that. I look back at older videos and I kind of cringe and I'm like, oh my gosh, why did I say that? Um, and so that's just that's just part of this process. It's supposed to be that way, and it's okay. We're learning. But you know, humility and fear of the Lord are the beginning of wisdom. And so if there's some sense of fear and pride that are keeping you from even being willing to acknowledge that, hey, like you did, that that bone shivering moment of I might be wrong. If you're if you're kind of blocking that out through fear and pride and whatever else, then you know we can't really progress in in growth.
1: Mm-hmm. So yes, yes.
0: So um, I I want to let you go. Do you have like a, a few more minutes to? Mm-hmm. I wanted to you know we we've been talking about this uh, this topic, and and I'm just wondering if you have in mind. Um, you know whether whether it's a new way of looking at Romans 9 Ephesians 1 or just just a you know we kind of talked already about this principle that people don't aren't born hardened and blinded is there there's something i guess what i'm asking like an argument a specific non-calvinist argument that you could maybe point to and say this is something i have i've come to realize and this is the reason why i i would encourage others to consider that the bible uh, you know, Calvinism isn't the only, you know, solid way to think about the Bible. Is is there like a specific argument or text that you might want to point to?
1: I think it really is dependent on the person because I feel like different texts impact different people. Yep. So for the, the Romans one text was so mm-hmm. impactful for me. But for somebody else, it may just not be. Mm-hmm. I, I have I have a friend that I will talk to her. And we cannot leave the sovereignty of God. That is all she wants to talk about. And I want to talk about the other, the TULIP, the acronym, and go to the scriptures about those things. But in her mind, she is so, so, so married to, it's a, she can't separate God's omniscience from determinism.
0: In her mm-hmm. brain is,
1: if God knows all things, then God determined all things. And yeah. anything we talk about goes back to that every time. And so I don't know what scripture would challenge that for her. I've sent her so much old Testament scripture of God, just laying out what he desires of the people. If you do this, this is going to happen. If you do this, this is going to happen. I will know if you love me, if you truly love me, uh, if you obey my commands, he's testing their hearts. It, It just scripture after scripture like that encouraging her to just take him at his word he's testing their hearts he's saying they will prove if they love him or not if they obey him or not and he tells them the two roads every time life death and rewards punishment but somehow she brings it back to his decree anyway and so i I, everybody's just different it's so interesting Mm -hmm. it's interesting And that's
0: go ahead go ahead just okay, whatever, well,
1: whatever, whatever, sorry, whatever. Everyone has something else really holding them in Calvinism. Yeah.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's such a great point. And that's why when people ask me, you know, or, or like, are, are confused by why I continue or somebody like Layton Flowers even continues to put out video after video after video. Well, my motivation at least, and I've done a tiny, tiny, in you know, invisible fraction to what somebody like Layton Flowers has done. But I, I just think this is something that needs covered thoroughly because exactly as you're saying, I might make a whole series on Romans nine and, and it doesn't phase the person. But I say one thing about Ephesians one and maybe an alternative way of looking at it and it just clicks, it resonates. Mm-hmm. And so I think I just, you know, there's this whole kind of, uh, uh, Barrage of arguments and proof texts that Calvinist kind of brings to the table, and I think in a sense there there has to be people out there responding to each one because mm-hmm. it it's going to be different in different cases, and different responses are going to resonate with different people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, that's there's definitely not a a one size fits all response to Calvinism that's that's going to change anybody's mind. Um, but I. Uh-huh. I
1: I have a, a guy right now in my comment section that is con- like on several videos asking the same question, what makes you different from this person? Like, why did you believe and they didn't believe? If you if your doctrine can't answer that question, then you're believing a false doctrine. And I'm just like, what makes you think you can answer that? Like how can mm-hmm. anybody, I mean, I think various things play into that. But I think there are some passages that say like, they wanted the darkness, not the light. And there's Mm -hmm. a few others that I've come across, but then also just the circumstances of your upbringing, you know, how you've been shaped, how how life has affected you shapes you. And if you, you know, there are clearly people in the scriptures, even examples of people that desire to do good, that they, they desire to be righteous. And then there's some that don't want to be good. They don't want to obey. They want to be unri- unrighteous. They ignore their conscience mm-hmm. and the law in their heart. I don't know why, but mm-hmm. there's a spiritual that's war. More, yeah, <laughs> there's, there's a spiritual war that's real, and there's our upbringings and our, and how you know train up a child in the way he should go. What was your life like? What has molded your heart and your mind your whole life? Like, not that that's a formula, but it impacts us as humans, and so. You can't just have one verse that answers that question. And he, that he's clearly t- like married to the irresistible grace part, you know? Um, yeah. And that you asked me about the Romans nine and Ephesians one, I've never believed in replacement theology. Uh, although everyone I was around did, I've always seen Israel to be still a uh, part of God's plan as a nation, as a people. And, I think that that already being there for me helped me see Romans 9 carrying that already belief with me into Romans 9, 10, and 11, seeing it as a uh, big part in Romans where this Mm -hmm. is the Lord referring to Israel, his people. So it totally rocked my world and just makes me praise God even more that he has this big, incredible plan that we've been grafted into. He's so good. And um, that was a very impactful line for me, too, that Leighton Flower said, is the Lord doesn't choose some to reject the rest. He chooses some to include everyone, to make a way for all. What a beautiful picture. Yes. So that's monumental for me.
0: And, and when you understand that romans 9 is it's dealing with this issue of who gets god's promises why why does it seem that israel rejecting messiah is not getting the promises of god well i think it's so easy to think of promises in terms of oh so he's talking here about heaven and hell but god made this promise to abraham that hey you're going to go to heaven and everybody else is going to go to hell certified. And and so mm-hmm. not that there's not some involvement with that in some sense but the promise God gave to Abraham wasn't a promise that, hey, Abraham, you and your family get to go to heaven. The rest are going to go to hell. It was a promise that, hey, Abraham, you get the privilege of being of, of being multiplied into a countless number of descendants who will bless the nations. The promises that Israel in Romans 9 is trying to figure out why they're missing out on them is this promise that they are God's chosen people to bless the nations, not, mm-hmm. not to the neglect of the nations. And then you know that you're talking about Romans nine through eleven. When you realize that in Romans eleven, the same hardened Israel of Romans nine, this vessel of wrath in Romans nine, that is Israel, Paul says if they do not continue in their unbelief, they'll be grafted back in. And if if you just let that sink in for a moment, then not only is Calvinism completely removed, but I think this stands as one of the clearest. You know, Romans 9 through 11 is, is just an ultimate defeater of, of Calvinism. I think mm-hmm. if you stay in track with what Paul is saying mm-hmm. and, and don't switch into what I think is, you know, Augustinian, mm-hmm. you know, Greek philosophy and, and and completely derail from how a Jew of the day would have understood the things Paul is saying. And so, um, yeah, yeah, that, that, I that was that I was. Mm-hmm. I, I could talk about Romans nine all day, but I just think there there there's other non Calvinist ways to to look at the Bible, and i just I would hope that people would, if nothing else from this, just be willing to maybe consider taking an honest look mm-hmm. at some of those uh, different things. Yes,
1: it's so important to hear the experts on all sides and then compare it to Scripture and make up your own mind. <laughs> Um, something interesting about Romans nine, when I was on one instance, trying to go to Rome, we were talking about Romans nine, I was trying to go to Romans 11. And they were adamant about no, we're staying here. Like, but, but this is like, this is the same letter from the same author to the same people and it's tied in. You can't just tell me I can't leave Romans nine. It wasn't even Romans nine when he wrote it, he's completing thoughts over here. And it was, then
0: it come up with chapter uh, breaks. Yes.
1: So I found that to be very telling that they were like, no, we're staying right here. We're not going there. I'm like, what are you so scared about? What are you so worried about? Yeah. And it's that, you know, you have to be, open to the word being the authority and I still pray for the people that I've that I've spoken to that seem very closed you know there's hope there's hope I mean 19 years a Calvinist (laughs) my husband 19 years a Calvinist and we happily surrender it to share the love of Christ for all (laughs) with the world and and it's the Lord can do anything so
0: yeah. Yeah. That, that, that is, um, that is something that I think too, that you, you mentioned about your friend who kind of hung in with you and how, how grateful you mm-hmm. were that in that conversation, she just hung with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just think that's something that to anybody who has interest in engaging in these topics with, with the other side, the importance of doing that in a lo- truly genuine loving way, where your goal is not to find the mic drop moment in the conversation, <clears throat> or to 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 you know show the other one to look to look dumb like that's not the goal. And I I just it, it is I, I get more frustrated I think arguably about the way non-Calvinists even will will speak to Calvinists even in the comments of my own videos. More frustrated about that than I do with Calvinism in the first place because it's mm-hmm. like guys if this is. If this is how we're going to talk to each other, do you really think any of this matters? Do you really mm-hmm. think any of this? This is all you are all being resounding gongs and clinging symbols. like this is mm-hmm. utterly and completely a waste of time. If you think that you're going to, you know, insult your brother or sister while you're disproving their system and somehow you're coming out on top, mm-hmm. you have defeated yourself. The moment you do that, Mm -hmm. and I just think there's, we can do this. I think it's even possible on social media, in a comment, you can be a Christian. You can remain Christian as you write out a comment. Mm -hmm. And people forget that. I think they forget that. They think that Mm -hmm. there's, there's an out, like they get to kind of like clock out of being a Christian until they get off social media. And then they clock back in. Okay. Now I'm a Christian again. If I see somebody in real life, I'll treat them with love and compassion. But it's Mm -hmm. just this bizarre this bizarre thing that I think is like a infection on yeah. in the church in, on social mm-hmm. media. Um, but um, anyways, kind of going off on a tangent. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so um, maybe to, to kind of just wrap this up, could you just give, um, I guess, what, what do you, would be your final thoughts here? What would you say to somebody, especially those that might be watching that might be in any, any place on this timeline that you've been on. They might be mm-hmm. way before where they're not willing to listen to anything. They might be right on the cusp of it. Um, maybe they're in the middle and really emotionally distraught because of how mm-hmm. fearful and painful it is. I guess just what would be maybe your final thoughts uh, into that situation?
1: I would say being honest with ourselves, seeking truth at all costs, Go into the word for yourself, believe, seek, and you will find. It's true. (laughs) Seek and you will find. If you have a humble, genuine heart and you're not married to something outside of what the Lord has to show you, he will show you truth and to lead in love through every step. I mean, I think having a clear conscience before the Lord, having a pure heart before the Lord, walking in the spirit you want to be able to look back at whatever part of the journey you're on and say, I honored you through that Lord. You don't want to, um, become divisive and and unkind and ungracious to our Mm -hmm. brothers. I mean that, that reveals our motives. What are you, what are you trying to accomplish? You know, when you Mm -hmm. act that way, nothing valuable, nothing God honoring, it's literally repels the Lord that it's wrong, but it gets easier that's for sure. And it's, but it's hard. (laughs) It's very hard because it doesn't just, it it doesn't just affect your personal time with God. It's it. My whole world has changed. Everything has. And it's Mm. in some cases inevitable. And in some cases, very unfortunate. And I think not at all what the Lord would want. So there's fear too, because uh, things, things that you don't expect will come from people around you. And so do not fear. That's something else I would say. Do not fear. Just trust in the Lord. He's with you because resorting. Yeah. I I will dip back into fear sometimes. And I feel that panic come over me. Like, what do I need to do? It's like nothing. Just trust Mm -hmm. God. So those are the biggest things I think I've, I've learned is just to seek truth, seek the Lord, be honest with yourself, and don't live in fear. Just trust the Lord and lead in love and study for yourself. <laughs> um, and those are my biggest, I mean, out of all of these almost four years, those are the biggest things that I have feel the Lord has shown me and still showing well, me.
0: Yeah. Right. So where, where can people find you and and talk maybe just real quick about your YouTube channel and and how people can maybe find some of your, your own content that you put up?
1: Sure. My channel is just Alana L and I have a playlist that has my Calvinism videos, which includes my story, a couple of other ones and some other interviews I've done, but mostly my channel is encouraging Christian women um, in being mothers, wives, uh, godly women. I do a lot of homemaking videos and day in the life, cooking, just things like that, and homeschooling. So uh, you guys can find me at L Al and join my little family. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, it's really fun and very fulfilling to to have this channel. I've met a lot of wonderful people in it.
0: Yes, well, I will, I'll link to all your stuff in the the description of the video as well. If anybody wants to follow um, Alana and, and see some of her stuff, so. Thank
1: you. Well,
0: Alana, thank you, thank you so much, and um, very much appreciate you taking the time to do this. And once again, I just I think it's I think it's very important, and so, um, yeah. Very much appreciate what you're what you're doing and just the voice that you've been able to be, because I think there's people that have been and will continue to be impacted that you'll never even know about. You know, you'll mm. never know all the people that have watched that video in the secret moment mm. and and been comforted in a deeply profound way and has probably changed lives. And so I just think mm. it is important for people who have gone through this journey to just let other people know that it mm. is There is a way through it.
1: Yes, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate you inviting me today and letting me join you. And thanks for all your encouragement.
0: Thank you for listening to the Great Light Studios podcast. To find more information and resources or to watch our films, you can find links in the show notes of this episode to our Facebook, YouTube, and other social media accounts. And also, would you consider leaving a five-star review on this podcast Positive reviews go a long way in helping to get this content pushed out to more people.